Yes, our reading this morning is taken from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 16. Jesus calls his first disciples. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Just my privilege now to be able to pray for Nigel as he brings God's word to us. So thank you. I'm glad you got up here quicker than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Father God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that this week you have inspired Nigel in what he should share with us. And we pray that you will give us all listening ears, obedient hearts, and follow your way for us this week. And we thank you that your word is so precious, so vital, and so full of all that you want us to know about yourself. So thank you. Bless him now, we pray. Amen. Hmm. Amen. Now I've got one with me. Hopefully it's in my pocket. Great. I really appreciate Mary and um, appreciate Mary for a couple of reasons because, uh, well, Karen tells me you made the coffee this morning. So, um, and it was very good. So, um, yeah, a little nervous coming to Cairns Road this morning with uh, Mackie away. So, um, Karen and I, when I eventually responded to her email to ask me, what we were doing this morning. I did make some comment about the coffee and would it be up to Mackie's standard and um, I'm pleased to report yes, absolutely. And I understand Mary was responsible. So brilliant. Yeah, thank you. We've all got gifts and uh, I think it's just good that we appreciate the variety and the differing nature of our gifts this morning. Uh, It's great to be here. I recognise quite a number of you. Uh, Forgive me for those whose names I've forgotten already um, and sort of made one or two errors there, but it's terrific to be with you again and really appreciate that. I'm not going to do too much of the kind of introductions because um, when I said to Matt, what time do you finish? About half past 11. Um, You know, Okay. I, it's all right, Matt. I've been to Cairns Road before, so I totally ignored that comment. Um, I, I knew that it was, I don't know what it was, wishful thinking or something like that. Um, but I'm not going to keep you more than, say, 25 minutes, okay? Um, if that's okay, uh, that would be good. And Yeah, well, I've loved this church over a number of years. I've known it since uh, I came to Bristol in the 1990s when I was a pastor of the other side of town, or the city, um, uh, at Counterslip Baptist, and loved it ever since. And it was super, really, this morning to have Toby and Pippa here from Nepal because uh, I was privileged to go. I've been a couple of times to Nepal. And uh, I was there on one occasion at that wonderful area where they pictured green pastures, the hospital, uh, with the Annapurna Mountains behind. And I remember getting up to watch the sunrise coming up over the Annapurnas. And we went up into the foothills 
and people from all, all over the place there, as you can well imagine. Who did I meet there? Andy Cordell. Um, so um, lovely to see Andy at the front talking about Nepal. It's great, and it's a pretty small world. Uh, now, I'm, I'm aware that I'm speaking, I don't know whether I'm, I didn't ask Mackie's permission to do this, but I'm not preaching from one of the passages that you've been looking at in the last week. So, but I understand, and I'll give a reason for that in a moment or two, uh, not least because I've been pretty pressed over the last two or three weeks and sort of called regional team leaders privilege to speak whatever God might be saying into your heart. It's always a good excuse for not having the time, isn't it? But hopefully it will be something pertinent from God for you this morning. But I'm, I think as far as I understand it from Karen, 1 John chapters 2 to 5, 2 and 3 John, and Isaiah chapters 1 to 4. Could you just do me a favour, and I'm not going to ask you to share what it is, but could you pop up your hand or just indicate in some sort of friendly, smiley kind of way whether there's something in particular that God has spoken to any of you from those passages this morning, to the point that if I were to ask you afterwards, you'd be able to tell me what it was. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, that's it. Good. Yeah. Everyone's a little bit nervous at these points, aren't they? Um, but thank you for that. Um, I, I do a bit of an experiment, and um, uh, Anna, isn't it, on the on the doodah? Um, could we could we go to the next slide? Yeah, brilliant. So I don't know whether I, I guess most of you have got one of these things, uh, smartphone. Um, if you have. Um, could I encourage you to download what's called the discipleship? The you won't get it the way I pronounce it, but if you type in the discipleship cycle or discipleship cycle, you'll see our little 72 logo with the feet on at some point and download that. That will just be help you. I'm not desperate that you use the app, but I'm really keen that you go through it so that you understand the cycle, the cyclical nature. A bit like Toby um, was talking about when we come to follow Jesus and we sort of look forward to becoming like him and sort of, you know, pick up Paul's theme that we grow up into all things, into him who is the head. It's not a linear process, is it? No, Nigel. It's not A, B, C, D. It's not, you know, progression, progression, progression. It is more like he described in terms of a spiral. And the discipleship cycle really is aimed at helping any one of us not just listen to the voice of God and sort of think, oh, actually, that's really interesting. So those of you who are kind enough to indicate, you know, God spoke to me through that particular um, passage, um, verse, word this week, but actually, why? And the discipleship cycle just kind of unpacks a little bit what um, the Bible tells us in terms of the heart of God for us in Isaiah chapter 55, when he says the word of the God goes out and doesn't return to him empty and void without achieving the purpose for which he sent it. Um, how does he achieve the purpose of speaking his word? Well, so often, although he's quite capable of doing it in other ways, but frequently, most normally, through people like you and me. That's a staggering thought, isn't it? That the word of God is given, spoken, we receive it, it becomes embodied, becomes part of us, and we live it out. And in that sense, we're the hands, feet, voice of Jesus 
um, to, to the extent that we're able to. But that's what the discipleship cycle does. Now, those of you who put your hand up, I estimate less than 10% of the people here at the moment, not including those who have gone out this morning. Whenever I do an exercise in a church that sort of challenges people along the lines of, who listened to God in some shape or form last week, a week ago? Get lots of hands. Who listened to God to the point that you actually heard something that he might be saying to you, speaking into your life, to the point that you've not just heard it, but you've responded and you've done something about it, whether that's known to anyone or not. You've done something about it in that you've begun to apply it in your own life, frequently in a way that other people don't see initially, but ultimately, hopefully, they will recognize the fruit of what God is doing. And I ask pastors and leaders this kind of question. So what percentage do you think of your church actually on a week by week basis, and not just listening to God, because we're great at doing that, and you're all wonderful British people, and you're going to listen nice and quietly, and all the rest of it, although you can shout out if you want, it just adds time on, doesn't it? So it's kind of fine by me, but may not be for those sitting around you. Um, we're great at listening, aren't we? But God speaks, not just so that we might listen as some sort of lovely academic exercise, but that his word might achieve his purpose in and through us. What is it that God has ever... This is a question I was asking our staff team when we had a meeting this week. What is it that God has ever said and spoken into your life that he doesn't want to see displayed through it? And I sent them away, really, and I said, well, you know, at the moment, I think nothing. <laughs> I think those two things are bound together. So they're going to go away, and they're going to tell me um, next week whether they've come up with any exceptions to that. But I, I, I sort of leave that with you. So the best estimate, the most conservative estimate of what percentage of any church are listening to the point of hearing and doing something about it on a weekly basis is 10%. I think the reality across the board, whether we're Baptist, Anglican, whatever, is probably closer to 5%. And some leaders say not even that. Now, if, if you are up there with the best, 10% of a Christian church saying, we follow Jesus! And 10% are not just listening to what he's saying to you as an individual, but doing something about it on a weekly basis. I reckon you can double that in 12 months. That's the kind of church leadership challenge, as it were, for you to take on board. But the danger with that is it becomes some sort of amorphous, conceptual, well, how are we going to do that for 10% of our people kind of thing? And there's things you can do. But I want those of you who are individuals to make a commitment before God, I don't mind whether you tell me about it or not this morning, say, actually, I'm going to be in, in, the, in the increase. I'm going to be in the increase. And some of you will know the parable of the sower where Jesus talks about the word of, of, of the 
God's word being like a seed and how in some cases it doesn't really go very far because there's no root and in some cases it doesn't go very far in terms of growth because the troubles of this world as he puts it persecutions and the so on come in and sort of strangle it like weeds but in some cases it grows and multiplies 30 60 90 100 times i want you to say lord i want to be i want to be the fruitful one <laughs> i want my my heart to cultivate great soil for the seed whatever it is you speak and so there's a sense in which um yeah you can move on karen to the next one do do anna sorry <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next one yeah so that's the they're the kind of that's what you get from the discipleship cycle uh, um whether you use paper um and do it properly or whether you use an app um uh, the second next one go, goes us on next slide yeah then the next one right brilliant um what have i put on there if you were arrested for being a follower of jesus would there be enough evidence to convict you that's right um wow put that on there jesus says come follow me these, as Matt's reminded us, were the first disciples of Jesus. Just simply says in verse 17, Mark chapter 1, I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Now, I imagine most here this morning have been followers of Jesus. You call yourself a disciple for a number of years. Um, that's generally the case. Um, most people in a church on a building on a Sunday morning don't turn up for the first time, you know, not the majority anyway. So I'll assume that about the majority of you. You'll be familiar with these words. And I really want to sort of fast forward when you first heard the words and when you first decided, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus to today. And just try and hear them for you today. So, in a sense, I'm, I'm taking away some of the strain of having to think, you know, someone might ask me next Sunday, which verse was it that spoke to me from 1, 2, 3, John, or Isaiah chapters 1 to 4. I'm going to narrow it right down and say, listen, <laughs> listen to this verse. But even more than that, I, honestly, I'm doing you a favor. Three words, come follow me. And, and just try and listen. What might God be saying to you today, whether you became a Christian last week or 30, 40, 50 years ago? Is Jesus speaking to you and saying, how do I apply that word as hearing it from Jesus, come or follow or me? And, and, and which of those three words might God really long for you to make some adjustment in terms of how you're responding to him in your life? Uh, alongside these words, come follow me, Jesus 
introduces that whole idea of repentance, that lovely, you know, if you don't know any Greek words, I'd encourage you to learn the one that we translate repentance, metanoia. Sounds much nicer, doesn't it? And sort of warm and cuddly than repentance. But metanoia has really two kind of main thrusts to what it's really trying to uh, communicate to us. One is that whole idea of tuning in and focusing and prioritizing the, 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 the fact of needing to follow Jesus. Um, any radio lovers here? Yeah, few above a certain age, if you not mind me being rude, which is maybe not surprising, but um, I guess if we do listen to the, to the radio, just as if we, if we watch the TV or, 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 or watch or listen to anything online, I'm seeing a sort of, I'm almost, the radio's out of limits in my car these days because I've got a list of podcasts that I haven't listened to, you know, and that kind of thing. But we just press a button, don't we? But anyone old enough to remember having to turn that dial and tune in to a radio station? Apart from me. Yes, yeah, so some of you do, yeah. Well, that's kind of part of the idea of, of, of metanoia. So it's like, mm, this thing about following Jesus, it's a bit fuzzy, you know, before you get actually tuned in. You go, and then you get to the right frequency, and it is, I'm not going to say it used to be crystal clear in the days where I was listening to the football under my bed covers or... Um, John Peel, music, that was the thing. But, you know, you, you, you can understand clearly what it is and what the message is. There's that whole idea of tuning in. You might need to make a, some adjustment to that invitation. I need to tune it. I need to focus it. I need to prioritize it. Come follow me. But there is also that idea of turning away from things that are not helpful. If I'm going to listen to the radio, I'm, I, I'm best do it. Um, when I'm not trying to watch the TV at the same time. If I'm going to listen to the radio, I need to concentrate and let's do it. And I can't do it if I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Um, that's the men anyway. I know some of you, you know, women, you can do th two things at once, but you know, I can't. And that kind of thing. And metanoia also has a way of turning away from, you know, like the writer of Hebrews says, you know, throw off the sin that so easily entangles and run the race before you. It's that kind of idea. Tune in or whatever. And so... There is all that. So what about today? Jesus said, come follow me to you once. And he says it again today. But if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And you say, well, I've been, I've been a follower of Jesus for... I mean, if you only say a week, and that's, the, you, that's your story, then no one's going to expect much evidence. But I became a Christian in 1975. You do the maths. The answer is a long time. Ah. How much fruit of the Spirit of God would you expect in someone's life after 48 years of claiming to follow Jesus? Um, you, don't, you don't need to tell me that afterwards. Um, okay, so here we go. How are you responding today to Jesus' call, come? Um, let's just run to, through one or two things. These things would have been obvious to you some time ago. Let's just try and apply them to today or try and encourage you to hear them for today. The invitation is for you to accept. 
We're not forced into it. We're not forced into striving towards the maturity of him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we're not forced into responding initially, and we're not forced to cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God to allow something more of his fruit um, to be revealed through our lives, like patience. We're not forced to be patient with those that we might share a home with, our family, or the colleagues that we might work with and alongside at work. The invitation is here and now for you to respond. I think this is really a critical point for, for so many of us because, you know, go back to my, the purpose behind this discipleship cycle is recognizing the shallowness of biblical literacy, I would say, across the UK church. By what, what I mean is, we seem to have developed across the UK a Christian church that is very good at paying lip service to the authoritative word of God that we know as the Bible. But the evidence that we are a people who have, like Peter, James and John and the others, amongst these first disciples, left everything to put Jesus first, to prioritize the mission of Jesus Christ in the way in which we live our lives out above what we often refer to as consumer Christianity or cultural Christianity, but Jesus' way, his truth, his life, above those other things that crowd out our lives to the point that we often don't even hear him? Well, that is a big, big challenge. To say yes here means to say no there. We know this. I think it was Richard when you introduced the sun worship time at the beginning. You said something about the privilege of being able to be here in this space and sort of let all the other stuff, you know, sort of find its place or just push it out a bit, let's concentrate on God, you know, something along those lines. Um, this, is, this, is our, this is our lives, isn't it? It's my life. I don't think you can be anyone, never mind whether you're Christian or not, living in the UK in the 21st century, whereby to say yes to anything, you don't have to say no to at least five things. I need, um, this is me speaking, not just my wife, I need to be in the garden this afternoon. I've got a load of jobs that need doing. Uh, I also need to do something that involves a garage. <laughs> um, I also need to prepare something that I'm looking at my diary, think I'm not going to have time to do everything if I leave it all till tomorrow morning. I also want to put my feet up and read a bit more of the book I'm reading. <laughs> do you, 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 you get the point. Whatever it is, you have to say no to some things if you're going to prioritise something in your life. To say yes here means to multiply your fruitfulness. And I just want to slip in that big positive 
that actually, actually, the fruit comes through responding to Jesus. The real fruit. The stuff that the New Testament describes as the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. You you, you will know those things. He talks about them, Paul does it in, in Galatians. And you know those things are precious because you know they're the qualities you want in someone you're going to commit your life to live alongside, in your family, husband, wife, or whatever. They're the qualities you want to see develop through your children and grandchildren. They're the qualities you want in someone who you want to call as a good friend. They're the qualities you want in someone who's going to treat you well because they're your boss. You know, they're the, they're the human qualities we all crave for in the other. And God wants them fruitful and multiplied, deeply rooted in him. So you go back to Peter, James and John, who left their nets and their father's fishing business a week after Jesus says, come, follow me. And what do you find? I'm sure you find the business and they made arrangements, but you don't find them. And I wonder what God sees if he sort of took a snapshot of my life or your life when we first responded to those words, come follow me. Does he find that we actually left everything? Not to say that we changed jobs, moved house and whatever, but the priority was such that our focus upon Jesus meant that everything else was left in place. Okay, so speed up, Nigel, because time's almost gone. Let's go on to numbers. Next slide. And uh, ta-da, follow. Um, what step are you taking today to follow Jesus? That's all right. No, we can go. We can go to the picture. Yeah, we can go to the picture. No, that's fine. Yeah, follow. So what word is it? And this goes back to my thing, you know, well, who, who's got something from these chapters you're reading together as a church in the last week? And I, I know more of you had an answer to that than put your hands up because most of you are white British people and you're just too polite or embarrassed to put your hand up. That's all right. But... Um, Whilst I'm just mumbling on a little bit, you just think about what you see in the picture. Um, This whole thing about following, what step are you taking today in following Jesus, is actually saying, it's not enough to say that I listened to something or I read something in the Bible and I've learnt what it meant 2,000 years ago, or nearly 3,000 years ago, if you read it, and grabbed, if something grabbed you from Isaiah. But now, the, the interactive bit, before we get towards the close, is, is what, what, what are you looking at here? What do you see, the picture before you? You can shout out now. Any, any offers? Fallen branches. Fallen branches, yes, correct, good. It's not what's in my mind, but thank you. Any, sorry? Daffodils, yes. It was taken a little while ago. Said to, like, I took this some times ago. Good, nice flowers. 
Anyone going to say nice garden? It's my garden. <laughs> anyway, tell you what I see, and the reason I took that picture was because that was a week after I chopped the branches off my neighbour's tree at his request, and I threw some of them over to my look, my side, the lawn, because that was easier way to fall. I took that a week after. So what I see when I look at that picture is unfinished business. I said I'd clear it up <laughs> the weekend before. But a week afterwards, it's still there. Needing to be paid attention to, but not dealt with. And I just think that's so typical of my life as I relate to the one true living God. You know, thank you, Lord, that you spoke to me through the story in Luke 10 about Mary and Martha. That was one of the um, passages that we've preloaded onto the discipleship cycle app. Came up last week, anyway. And so that just comes to my mind. You know, thank you, Lord, that you spoke to me through that particular passage. But, hmm, yeah, listen to that. I've even put in my app the verse of the words that stood out for me more than any others. I've even actually got a little bit further and I've identified how they might apply to my life in the sense that how I might be hearing the voice of God speaking to me today, this week. But it is a bit like the branches on my lawn from last week, unfinished business, because it's not been dealt with. I've not gone round the cycle. What step are you taking to follow Jesus today? I hope some of you are going to identify something and say, I need to take this step. That's great. And I want to pray God's blessing upon you and upon your life, that he will lead you forward so you seek to follow him. But I do want to say, don't make the mistake when you go out the door thinking, I've actually taken the step, when all you may have done is you've committed yourself to take the step. When you come through those doors, if you're a regular here next Sunday, allow that to be a bit of a prompt to yourself, because it's only going to be between you and God, this stuff. But, oh, did I take that step I said I was going to take last week? Did I? Well, that will be between you and God. And just to close very quickly, and then I'll pray, how focused is the whole of your life today on me? And that's the one who says, come follow me. That's Jesus' word to you. How focused is the whole of your life? One of the things I say time and time again, whenever I'm sort of helping a group get to grips with the discipleship cycle, whether it be small group leaders or individuals, is listening is where we start. It's so often where we start when we read scripture. So often the words, listen, listen to me, hear, come up, don't they? Listening is so often where we start, but it's not why we knock glasses of water over on the table. But it's never where Jesus wants us to end. Never. Which direction are we facing? What adjustment might we need to make? 
how might we need to focus, how and what step might we need to take. But as Eugene Peterson, who compiled the message paraphrase of the Bible, once wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, the next step will actually be the first of the rest of your life. May it be for the next step and for the whole in pursuit of the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And with that, I'll stop. Lord, thank you for this wonderful church of your people. I want to pray your blessing upon them. I want to pray that each one of them as individuals might know that your Holy Spirit is with them to empower each of them to live the life of Jesus as if he were in their shoes. Lead them, I pray, in your name. Amen. Amen.